Uh, a guy by the name of John Courier was found guilty of murder and sentenced to life in prison. In time, he was paroled to hard labor in a farm setting. Uh, finally, in 1968, his sentence was, was terminated and a letter uh, bearing the good news sent to him that he had been pardoned. Well, he had been guilty, no doubt about that, but now he was pardoned, and there was no doubt about that either. But John did not get the notification. Nobody delivered it to him. Uh, life on that farm was difficult. It was supposed to be. Uh, ten more years went by. Eventually, a parole officer noticed the oversight and came to him with the good news of his pardon. We are in possession of a great message of pardon. It's only good news if it gets delivered. Thank God for the person who delivered it to us. Amen? God used somebody to get that message to us. Are we doing all we can these days to get that message to others? And that's what this little uh, missions conference of three weeks uh, is about. About reminding us to get that message out, even to the ends of the earth. Now, the ends of the earth, as Pastor Danny said, is where we are. God has put us here. Some people imagine a great desert wasteland when they think of Utah. Uh, go outside and look at the mountains, and there goes that theory. We live in a beautiful part of the country. But it is the ends of the earth as far as the gospel is concerned. Um, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 is unmistakable. It simply says, you will be my witnesses. Jesus said that. You will be my witnesses. We're going to be examining that passage uh, in this particular message today. Now, I have been also asked to share with you briefly how the Lord has honored that principle of getting the gospel to the ends of the earth, uh, how God has honored that here. I, I can tell you it is the great privilege of our life to have been sent by God to this place. If we had it to do over again, we'd do it in a heartbeat. We love where God has sent us. Uh, it, we haven't taken it as a life sentence. <laughs> it, it, it is joy unspeakable and full of glory uh, to be here and see what God has done. Some of you have heard some of this story before. Uh, you're going to hear some of it again because I've been asked to do that and I have to be obedient or they're going to shut off the camera, turn off the microphone, and we will be done. Did I hear an amen? Hopefully not. <laughs> Stop that. So, a lot of different places I could uh, light and call a starting point as far as us getting from upstate New York to here. But I suppose in one very specialized sense, 
For me, it began when I attended the Hilcomora pageant in Palmyra, New York, as a high schooler. And there, for the first time in my life, at least as far as I know, I met LDS people for the first time in my life. Thousands of them uh, gathered with other thousands of people uh, watching that outdoor theatrical production, uh, which unfolded for us the, the basic storyline of the Book of Mormon. Wow. It was a big wow. The, the production was impressive. The idea of what these people were saying and claiming made an impression on me, so I decided I, I wanted to learn more about it, and I'm still learning more about it. That's where it began for me, as far as bringing me here, as far as bringing me here. Uh, ended up going to, uh, to Bible college to, uh, to train for the ministry. I won't go into the, the whole thing about how God called us into ministry, but that's where I, uh, I met a very important person in my life as well, and we were called into missions. While we were there at Bible college, it started out in New York State, then we went to Pennsylvania because that's where the college went. And we followed them. And uh, the, the Lord used that particular verse from John chapter 9 in a missions conference to, uh, to touch my heart. And uh, so um, immediately I made plans to go to Bangladesh. Yeah, that's where I thought God was calling uh, me and Marty was willing to go there too. And so Bangladesh, yeah, well, uh, so in preparing for my definite call of God to Bangladesh, uh, I, I studied about a man who was visited by an angel, he said, who helped him produce a volume of scripture, he said, to start a new religion. So th that's what I was learning about. That's what I was preparing for. That's what I studied. And I would have been honored to, to be a missionary to those people. Uh, they really need missionaries. They truly do. Well, as I say, <laughs> my sweetheart and I we're in Bible college, making those preparations. And while we were there, uh, we started meeting people from, uh, well, a lot of them were from here, from Utah. And a lot of them seemed to ride bicycles. And the Lord continually uh, exposed us to their need. And that translated into a call to, to this part of the world. There's a lot more to be said about that, but I only have four hours today, so. <laughs> Making uh, our uh, burden translate into ministry, for us, involved uh, an association with Baptist Admissions. That was their old sign that they had, the, their, their old map. So we, we became appointed as missionaries with Baptist Admissions to come to Utah. So we loaded it up, uh, and came to, to Utah in 1971. Uh, we spent time in Sandy across the valley here. We, uh, we spent time in Tooele, didn't we, Billy? Uh, Billy's a, well, she's saying amen, which is amazing, because she's heard every sermon I've ever preached almost, <laughs> all three of them. <laughs> then there was some time in Richfield, and finally coming up in this direction in 1987. 
wow, I just went through a lot of time there. So the, the, this was the Larkin family when we arrived in, in Riverton. And the first meetings that became Trinity Baptist Church were in our living room. That's, that's where it began there. And th then we, uh, we had meetings, uh, which now medical offices on 90th South. Uh, our first, first meetings were there. And it's where uh, we actually uh, had the, the signing of the charter membership in 1989. So that's the official birthday of, of this local church. And keep these folks in mind. You'll, you'll, you'll see Brian in, a, in a, another picture later on. Early fruit in the ministry here. Oh, the, the Lord did so many wonderful things. Even in those early days, we had what we call Project Utah in 1990 and brought, um, oh wow, about 220 people here. Uh, when we had very few people to host them. But uh, God used a lot of sacrificial people at that point to uh, pull us off. And uh, tens of thousands of pieces of literature were, were distributed uh, between 90th South and to the end of the valley and west of I-15. Those were our parameters at that point uh, for ministry. And as a result of that project, Utah, the Lord uh, gave us a gift which allowed us to then use that gift as matching funds for the purchase of this land. Uh, we are there uh, that I was looking at at that point. That's what you call a mission field, right? <laughs> which was paid for in 13 months from the, the time of, of signing the, the papers. Oh, we've done all kinds of things. Radio ministry. We tried that for a while. Uh, and the Lord blessed. Uh, not so much the radio ministry, although this follows that picture, but the Lord was blessing and people were being saved and added to the church. Sounds kind of Acts chapter 2-ish, doesn't it? Uh, that's what God does. And uh, always uh, happy to, to entertain youth groups here in the summertime. They now call it plant camp. We didn't know those words back then. We, we just did it anyway. And... <laughs> And then uh, Danny uh, and Nicole were baptized and became a part of the church family, and our family, too. Uh, two big blessings uh, for which we uh, continue to be thankful. Uh, youth groups, youth groups, youth groups. Uh, temporary meeting places, by the way, over the years for, for this ministry. I talked about that place on 90th South. From there, we uh, used a, a facility next to the bowling alley on 7800 South and Redwood Road. It was called Transitional Training Center at that point. Uh, then uh, for a time, we actually met in the, the Salazar's basement. We maxed out at how many down there? 44 in a basement room. <laughs> wow, we knew it was time to try to uh, find another place to meet. Uh, the good people of Berean Baptist at that time, now it's called Berean Bible Church, uh, were kind enough to let us use their facility on Sunday afternoons. But we really needed our own place. And so groundbreaking took place for this facility in the summer of 2000. Uh, that's when we did the groundbreaking. The, the, the clay dirt out there was baked, so we had to break it. That's why they call it groundbreaking. <laughs> and uh, the Lord gave us a, a, a winter that we could build 
almost no snow that winter in the valley. So uh, that, that allowed us to, to do some, uh, some, some good construction. In, in the middle of the building program, the, the Winter Olympics came to town. And Baptist Wood Missions had a major outreach. And we were part of that. And uh, th that brought another uh, 250 people here uh, to have an outreach um, in mind. What, what wonderful blessings we experienced during the Winter Olympics outreach. Uh, many people apparently received the Lord on the streets of Salt Lake City during, during that outreach. But then it was back to uh, the building program. Uh, that's what it looked like. And I happen to know how all that sheetrock got on the walls. And that's quite a story. We, we don't have time to tell it. But it was literally miraculous. Every step along the way to see this building come together. By the way, we're going to hear more about building stuff later today. And I'll tell you, folks, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating, I'm not embellishing. Every need this ministry has ever had, God has always met. Always. God has had his hand on these two acres for a long time. He's not going to let up now. Amen. Well, the week or two before we moved in here, we affectionately still call it the siege. And we set all kinds of temperature records in those two weeks, too. It was so hot. But the Lord uh, enabled the... Uh, Dedication service to take place in 2002 on June the 7th. The pulpit that we had at that time had been handmade by the contractor. It was still sticky and tacky to the touch when they set it up here to, for the uh, dedication service. Praise God for what he has done, bringing us here. And uh, the ministry here has always been characterized, and I'm glad to say to this day, characterized by exposition of the word. That's, you're right, that's where the power is. The power is in the word. And the best way to get that out is exegetical, expositional preaching of the word. Whatever's been done here is all to the glory of God and the power of his word. People that God brought our way and some of these saved under the ministry here. The, the, the gal in the lower right-hand corner she had quite a, quite a story. She was culturally a Utah person in every sense of the word, having grown up here. And I said, and how, by the time we met her, she'd been saved. And I said, I'd like to hear that. How are you saved? She said, well, I read the New Testament and believed it. <laughs> Short story. And you know, it is that simple, isn't it? It is. To meet Christ, receive him, and trust him. Okay. Top picture, right smack dab in the middle. There's Brian again. Brian converted to a certain religious system that we all know when he was in England. He's a Brit. And came here, and the Lord saved him under the ministry here. Then he moved away for a little while, and he heard that we were having another outreach. He said, I would like to be a part of that. He came back to his neighborhood, went door to door to witness to his neighbors that he'd been saved by Jesus Christ. Oh, what a privilege to meet people like that over the years and see what God has done to change lives. Well, let's let, let people know who we were. Uh, that was the name we were using back then. 
Big deal having a nice looking sign back in those days after uh, um, having not so nice looking signs for a while. They just put a, put a new face on it now. Same sign out there. We've had kind of an international ministry. Uh, some people from uh, South Korea. Um, some people from Singapore. Some people from Ghana. We've had all kinds of folks here. Uh, and continue to uh, welcome all of you and others that God will bring to us. Well, Vacation Bible School. We all uh, got involved in those days in doing that, but none more than, than Christy with her famous pictures on the wall that we had back in those days. And uh, it was nice to hear those young voices. still great to, to see the young ones around here and in greater numbers than ever before. Uh, and the, the, the young people kept coming through the summer months to help us. Here we're in a training session using a conference room in a local hotel in prepping uh, on one of our day's ministries. Uh, the Lord has saved a number of uh, the, the bishops. Some of you remember the bishops who are now residing in, in Tennessee. And look at that. Randy's on, on the screen. and He's also over here. God has saved Randy. And uh, so thankful for him being a part, again, of both, both of our families here. And there, Dick. Hi, Dick. You're there, and you're there. I did not want to have a burn the mortgage Sunday here because I was afraid we would burn the church down. <laughs> but we just finished paying for it, so we called it uh, Dump the Debt Sunday. So that's why we have a garbage can on the pulpit. I, I ripped up a facsimile of the, uh, of the, of the debt and threw it in the garbage, and we rejoiced. And the place was paid for. And that opened the door to new things. More people, including ministries in the park, helping us every year. Muslim young ladies visiting from Morocco on that particular Sunday. And then guess who came to town? <laughs> Amen. Amen. God has been good to this ministry. But... As we have moved past the transition to a new name and basically new people, uh, the, 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 the call of God upon us remains exactly the same. And so the ministry goes forward from then until now. Witnessing is what we are called to do. And if you would turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. We can't live in the past. We've looked at some snapshots of the past, but my prayer is that today's message will stir us to be more faithful witnesses right now and in the future uh, to witness to those around us, whoever they are and wherever God may take us. We didn't grow up here, but we're here now. How many of you were born and bred and raised in Utah? Let me see your hands. Not very many. Maybe 20, 25%. That means God brought all of the rest of us here from other places. And that's what God has been doing for thousands of years in his work. Ripping us up out of our sometimes rather deeply attached roots from some place, taking us to another place, 
with his message of pardon and redemption. Aren't you glad God brought you here? I, I trust you are. And if you have um, a, a hankering to move, that, that doesn't necessarily mean you're bad. But that means that God might be taking you some other place to do what we do here. Because wherever we go, the Lord said, we are to make disciples, wherever that is. Now that takes some preparation. Divine preparation, and sometimes, who knows, maybe some academic preparation, a lot of spiritual preparation and growth, maybe cultural adaptation in our minds, getting ready for whatever God has for us, one place or another. But in, in thinking about being prepared to witness, uh, there are commands that are involved in this. There are certain commands. And we're going to do some selecting of verses in this passage. Uh, in verse number two, he was taken up, Jesus was taken up. This is the, the point of the ascension. He was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. What are apostles? Glad you asked. They are sent people. They are sent ones. And people who are sent must recognize a position of, of subjection to authority in obedience to commands. The Lord Jesus chose his disciples uh, for a particular purpose, and that purpose constitutes an ongoing command to us. Uh, for instance, in John 15, 16, Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you for what purpose? That you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in the Father in my name, he may give it to you. That's, that's a command. And in Luke chapter 5, Jesus said to Simon, to Peter, do not be afraid, from now on you will be catching men. Here's a fisherman who's going to continue in the same profession, sort of, kind of, except instead of uh, slimy little scaly creatures, he, he's now going to be fishers of men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. That's extreme, but that's extremely obedient. Nothing is a, really a sacrifice for the Lord. To obey him is what's expected, folks. It's the norm for disciples. If we love the Lord, if we love lost souls, we must obey his command and be witnesses of his. In John 14 and verse 15, it says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Not only are there commands that we need to keep in mind and, and obey if we want to be really prepared to be good witnesses. We are people who are well coached. And we, you know, we're what? March Madness now. Final four times is upon us. And some of these coaches have been around quite a while. Almost legends in their own right. But we have the greatest coach of all in being on, on the witnessing team 
in verse number three of, of, our, of our text, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many, by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. We've read those verses probably many times. Well, think about that. In a condensed 40-day module, our Lord laid out to them everything else that he wanted them to know before leaving them. He had three years, and now in 40 more days, he gives them the finishing course. And then off they go. Uh, you know, witnesses are to be informed people. We're to be knowledgeable people. Titus chapter 1 and verse number 9 talks about a man who is on an island of great need. And he's surrounded with, with liars, because that, that's where he was. And the person in a situation where you're surrounded by falsehood is to be prepared in this way. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. There is no such thing as good evangelism without sound doctrine. The two go hand in hand. I love the marriage of the two words doctrinal evangelism. That's what we tried to do for 40, 50 years. And that's what God bless. Not only do we need to be prepared as witnesses, but the promises that we have are really remarkable that God has given us. Verses four through eight, talk about the promises to the witnesses. There's, for instance, the promise of a divine companion. While uh, staying with them, it says in verse number four, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. Well, yeah, this was not news. The Lord had told them about one who was coming alongside. He told them that earlier. He told them that this one would be a comforter, that this one would be a convictor, a convincer. He told them actually that the one who was coming would enable them to multiply things even beyond what they had seen Christ do himself. That the Holy Spirit would actually be another one like himself that he would be sending to them. The language is very explicit in saying not another one of a different kind, but another one like Christ himself. So he had promised the coming of the Holy Spirit to a couple of months before he, he departed. He had given them a lot of instruction. For instance, in John 14, verses 16 and 17, he had said this, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it, it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. All of that stuff is so germane to witnessing when you think about it. 
And then verse number 26 of the same, same uh, chapter in John chapter 14. But the helper, we need help, especially when you're in a place like this. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you, the Holy Spirit. You know, if, if God puts you on a mission field, it's because there's great need. That's not something to think of as being overwhelming and, oh man, I think I'm going to move someplace where there are a lot more Christians. When God has a work to do, he's going to send his people into an area, but not without help. This divine companion is always with us. Witnesses are promised the very presence of God himself. Listen to this package from 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now isn't that enough? Anywhere you go, any need we have. So these promises to witnesses, the divine companion, but also implicit in that, it kind of rolls out into another thought. There is here the promise of enormous total capability to get the job done. Verse number eight, we're finally at kind of like this keynote text. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. God, the Holy Spirit, provides literally infinite power to witness. So why do we feel so inadequate? Because we are. But with him, we have every resource that God himself can bestow upon us. This power. I mean, here's another sermon, but it's not going to be another one. This is the creative power. This is the miraculous power of God. You've heard the expression, and sometimes we just roll over it like it's just words. Almighty God. King James Version of Matthew 6.13 says, Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And then there's the word, Amen. We have seen that power for 50 years. That's a pretty short amount of time in the context of eternity. But we've seen that power over and over again. This is the power that conquers the the, the, the powers of hell. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 36, And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And we've seen that happen too. People changed. Transformed from darkness to light. Have you ever thought how it would have been really something to be there as Jesus was at the tomb of Lazarus and said, come forth? And he did? Whoa. Whoa. When you're in a cemetery, you don't expect to see things like that. God has called his witnesses to bring the dead to life. And it happens 
every time the power of God's word, which lives and abides forever, causes people to be born again, regenerated. This power is absolutely promised to witnesses. Now, what are the places for witnessing? The same verse, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses, first of all, in Jerusalem. The community. The community. Uh, Historically speaking, Jerusalem was Jerusalem. I've been there. A few of you have traveled over that way. And how our Lord loved Jerusalem. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 37. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The city that kills the prophets and stoned those who are sent to it and also kills the Messiah. And he knew that. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing And then Luke chapter 19 and verse 41. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. Do we shed tears over our community, over our city? When you see places of false worship about every mile or so, does that stir our souls? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. Let's call that the country. That's another place where we can be a witness is in the country. The country our Lord specifically referred to, subdivided into Judea, Samaria, and other areas. Perhaps this rendering, particularly since Samaria is specifically included, could remind us of our responsibility to the nice and nasty parts places that are more desirable than others. No one must be neglected. There are places in the Salt Lake Valley that aren't real attractive for missionary work, but they may be some of the most needy areas in the whole area. So Romans 1.14, it's still in the book for us witnesses to look at and to ponder. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. All right, so we um, are to be witnesses to Jerusalem and are all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The continents, Asia, and there are some other continents out there too. They need a lot of help. We regularly understand incorrectly the end of the earth to be uh, the farthest away. Of the uh, many times that this expression appears in the New Testament, often it refers to something that is last, not simply farthest, but something that is last, which implies the importance of completing the job of spreading the word. Obviously, that applies to us in different ways. We're not all to get up right now and say, we're done. Pastor Danny, sorry about that building program. We're out of here. But I guess if God called all of us away, he brings somebody else in. We must be available to travel to those places if God leads us to them. 
Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. Familiar verses, but hauntingly moving. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? Well, how shall they? Right? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? Even though they might have heard the name of Jesus Christ, had they ever really had somebody explain to them who he really is and what he's really done in the totality of his provision for our salvation? How are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they are sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news? All right, final thought today. What are the prospects for witnesses? I think back in the olden days, back when some of those old songs were brand new to me, uh, people thought that when we were coming to Utah, it was probably pretty futile. But what are the prospects, wherever we would go? Well, first of all, there's a literal and a figurative sense that I look at verse number nine. The reality of clouds. And when he had said these things as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. They were left to walk by faith and not by sight now. Psalm 73 is a very honest blurting out of one believer's frustration at living in an unbelieving and unreceptive society. I won't read the words because time has somehow gotten away. Maybe the preacher had something to do with that. I mean, part of the the passage says, for all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. (laughs) Mondays are especially bad. You know, there are clouds. It's not all giggles and banana splits. True. But not to worry. Not to worry, John 14 and verse 18, Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. There's that encouragement. That's the prospects. Though there are clouds, there's the sun of righteousness with us. And that brings us to the last thought here. The prospect for the witness is the return of Christ himself. One day, those clouds will part and he'll be here. And we will have a reward that'll make it so worth it. Men of Galilee, verse 11, why do you stand looking into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you have seen him go into heaven. Well, he's with us now, but he's going to be coming in a particular way. I am with you to the ends of the earth, or the end of the age, he said. Matthew 28. Um, the first century believers and witnesses were promised in 1 Thessalonians 4.17. Then we who are alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. There's an Old Testament passage I haven't heard used for a while. No criticism here, but it just doesn't get a lot of playtime. Anywhere. But Daniel chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Oh, so sad. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above 
and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Prospects of witnesses. You will be my witnesses. That's who we are according to Jesus, his believers. You will be my witnesses. An unnamed preacher once challenged his congregation with these words. Ready for a lot of deep theology here? Wake up, sing up, preach up, pray up, pay up, but never give up or shut up until the cause of Christ in this church and in this world is built up. Here we are at the end of the earth. Let us indeed, not just in word, be his witnesses. Amen and amen.